Hello, everybody, and welcome to Deja Views, a podcast about remakes. My name is Aaron, and on today's show, we're going to be talking the 1982 and 2015 versions of Poltergeist. What? Who? Uh, what, what? What? Ghosts are in the uh, the Google Hangout with me, as always. <laughs> Hello, Hello, this is Greg, aka gas man as you guys so affectionately called me it's great to be here with you guys and since i'm in my apartment recording this there's like neighbors on all four walls talking it's kind of like having a poltergeist with us on the podcast (laughs) there's cops going by now too sirens blazing so yep i'm haunted over here well that's pretty scary too and i'm christopher i'm uh i'm here hanging out i had to shut this door because uh some people's dishwasher was being so loud. It was also like a poltergeist. <laughs> wow. There's a lot. Of, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, they talk about the poltergeist curse. Is this podcast now affected? Um, They're here. I learned, some, <laughs> I learned some new things about the poltergeist curses. They go beyond uh, all the stuff that I, I knew about. But yeah, oh, I can't wait to get into it. Lots to get to. Oh yeah, there's there's a lot to discuss with the Poltergeist movies, but before we get into that, you guys have any content this week? Any content in the corner? Um, I got a little you know, bit. We, we did finish Twin Peaks Season 3, which I talked about last time, and boy, what what a, what a great show. What a great season. Um, it's great stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's hard to really put into words how much I like it, but... This time around watching it again, incredibly satisfying. Um, just like a, a mystery that keeps blooming other mysteries as you go along, which is, uh, which is a lot of fun. It's like walking into a room and realizing that you have to walk into another room. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, that's, all, that's really all we've been watching. We haven't really been branching out all that much. That's good stuff. Gas Man? No, you know, um, it's not a question of what I have been watching. It's what have I not been watching, okay? Uh, as We're in, still in 2020 here. Um, but no, honestly, this week I'd say um, I was pretty much way too busy to stream anything. I did watch Outcry on Showtime. Um, watched a couple of episodes of Transparent on Amazon. Uh, I caught The Assistant, that film that's on Hulu. Uh, we're watching Murder at White House Farm. It's also on HBO. Um, other than that, I haven't really been streaming too much. Oh, there's Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix. Uh, I really loved the film Jasper Mall. It's on Amazon Prime. Um, but not much else, honestly. Oh, uh, Feels Good Man is on Amazon Prime. That's a great movie that I love. Oh, I got to watch that, actually. Um, Yeah, you know, I haven't been watching a lot lately, though. Long Weekend is on Criterion. Uh, I watched the Amityville Horror. That's also on, uh, I don't know what that was on. Uh, But not much else, you know, (laughs) just kind of been keeping the content light over here, not doing a lot of streaming. We are watching The Undoing, which is on HBO. I rewatched Errol Morris's Gates of Heaven. Uh, We watched a lot of House Hunters over here. Uh, Eighth Grade. On Amazon Prime, and also the film Leave No Trace on Amazon Prime. Those oh, were pretty good, too. Yeah, I want to But, see you know, not stuff. a lot of stuff. Keeping it light, not watching too much. Gasman, I just can't believe with, with that light of a load, you couldn't fit in Hubie Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> this is bullshit. 
also managed to watch a uh, hundred hours of YouTube's and about a thousand hours of election coverage. I also watched this movie <laughs> Freaks on Netflix, which the Netflix. We could talk about this another time, but. I'm fascinated by the Netflix aesthetic, all their kind of original programming. It's not really aimed at me, I don't think. You know what I mean? Who's it aimed at, you think? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Wage cucks. <laughs> what? <laughs> Normies. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of it's aimed at kids, frankly. Uh, did you see this movie Freaks on Netflix? Um, anyway, keeping the load light over here, I watched the Amityville original. Uh, have you guys ever seen that? I didn't watch the remake. I think it's going to be really bad. The original is really bad. It's very of its time. And the hoax regarding the Amityville haunting is kind of, uh, funny. Maybe we'll do an episode one day. It's honestly one of the lamer, like, haunting things. (laughs) Like, when you really, like, read about the Amityville thing, it's really lame. It's, like, not interesting at all. And the movie, I agree. Both movies are not very good. I've never seen it. The the remake in particular is Ryan Reynolds, like, trying to be serious, and it's not good. Dude, James Brolin in the original is, like, this prototypical, like, hunk. He's like, you know, six, six, he's like got a beard and he's like, like even in the scenes where they're like, you don't look good. He still kind of looks really great. Like, (laughs) and then you see the original dude, this Lutz who lied and said that his house was haunted and he looks nothing like James Rowland. Okay. He looks like kind of like unfrozen caveman lawyer or something. And (laughs) it reminds me exactly of. The end of Pee-wee's Big Adventure when the movie within the movie, uh, Pee-wee's being played by Brolin. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. It has that same yeah. vibe because the real life Lutz, he's a putz, okay? Like, <laughs> I watched a lot about Amityville and... Uh, well, yeah, that's the yeah. thing because it's like he just, like, killed his family and then his defense was, my house was on it. Like, <laughs> why doesn't everybody do that? That's, no, I don't that, think... <laughs> No, that should have been the OJ defense. <laughs> okay, not to mansplain the Amityville haunting, but I feel like it had more to do with there was a mass murder in the house, early 70s, and then new family moved in, lived there for 28 days, and were like, we couldn't live there. It was haunted by the last family. And then they wrote a book, and then they made a movie. And so nothing ever really even happened to the family the movie is based on. In other words, the stuff that happened to them might be explainable. Like their toilets didn't work or (laughs) the sinks were weird. Like at one point they said, and it's in the movie, they found this hell room like (laughs) underneath the basement stairs. And the families that have lived in it since then are like, no, yeah, that's just a room that's underneath the basement stairs. Like like they were like uh, writing books about, how ghosts live in that room and subsequent owners are like, no, yeah, it's just closet space. It's like storage. Like we use it as a pantry. Nice. <laughs> okay. I Well, maybe, maybe we'll do an F on it another time, but yeah, nothing even happened to those people. They thought they were haunted and like courts called it into question. <laughs> 
I'm going off here. I'm going off on Amityville over here. I could do. I could do thirty I think, minutes. <clears throat> well, we'll definitely have to do an episode on that. No, nah, it's all right. I think we just did. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but there's so many Amityvilles. There's like eight Amityville movies. It's crazy. Yeah, I think they've done reboots and remakes. Right? It's so weird. Yeah, I think there's like four original series, and then there was like four direct-to-video movies, and then the remake. And then there might be oh, a sequel hey. to the remake. Hey, speaking of, real quick, um, I, eventually I want to do... I know they're remaking Scarface, which is a big one. It's like on the holy grail of our deja vus. I want to do one day that movie with seven remakes brewster's millions oh, <laughs> like yeah. I mean, i'm only familiar go. really with the 80s film with richard pryor and john candy <laughs> but there are seven or more other remakes so one day let's do brewster's millions yeah i agree it can be our first five hour pod oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah we got to do brewster's millions and amityville i don't know i think we should do it we should just watch them all Oh I didn't really watch anything. I just watched uh, Hubie Halloween again on Halloween. No way! Did you? <laughs> no, I didn't. I just watched <laughs> the part with the. I just watched a few scenes that I really like. Most of them having to do with the thermos. But uh, so no, you I fast forwarded. The... So you were like, I'm not going to watch all of Hubie Halloween again. But you <laughs> did. Did you actually fast forward through? No, it was on. They're like clips on YouTube. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, you're like I'm not crazy. crazy. They were pretty yeah. cut for me on YouTube. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, what so are the I watched bits that. that you watched again. Like, can you? <laughs> you gotta watch it, guess man. You gotta watch. It's all like the thermos stuff. It's funny. No, but and there's this. Cat. I really like. I really like as you do when friends explain movies to them. So I want to know just like real quick, like what's like a gag that you're like I gotta see that Hubie Halloween gag again. <laughs> Well, I did watch the ending again, which I actually did fast forward. <laughs> because Ray Liotta, Ray Liotta in the ending is legitimately very funny. Yeah, he's, he's wearing a rainbow ones. clown wig and he's tied to a stake. And he, I, I don't want to spoil it for the listeners. I think everybody okay. should watch this movie. <laughs> That's fair. All our fans, right? I know our fans. <laughs> All of them are. They don't want it spoiled. That's fair. Listen, yeah, Hubie Nation does not want this. Hubie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I watched that. I watched Halloween three, which is my you know traditional Halloween watch movie. Loved it. Big big cream. Uh, then I watched The Fog and I fell asleep. That's pretty much all I've watched, other than a, like like you said, guess man, pretty much nonstop election coverage. <laughs> yeah, you were. I think. Yeah, you had me beat, maybe. Um, yeah, I mean, that's like thousands of hours. It was, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it was, it was quite a few, quite a few days, but, you know, came out, came out okay, I guess. But yeah, that's, that's all I watched. It was, it was a pretty light week. <laughs> pretty light. I had to watch all the, you know, I also watched the Poltergeist sequels, which, or the, at least the <laughs> second one, which we can get into. Uh, maybe later in this podcast. You're like, oh yeah, I did watch seven other hours of Poltergeist. <laughs> Luckily, the Poltergeist sequel, I don't know about the third one. I assume it is also like under 90 minutes. It's not. 
It's like oh. 97 minutes. Oof. And then... They're so thin. That's I mean, that second one is so thin plot wise. Like <laughs> nothing is going on. I just but... watched the trailer of it and it looks terrifying. It features like an old zombie priest man or something, and he's like, let me into the house. And I was so freaked. <laughs> he is the best part of the movie by far. Yeah. But he's not really in it that margin. much, unfortunately. But when he's on screen, it shines. Whenever he's not, I'm pretty bored. <laughs> but I think that's a good segue into Poltergeist, the 1982 classic. Uh, if we can get into that. Uh, yeah, 1982, directed by Toby Hooper. I mean, there's a little controversy over the authorship of this movie, which maybe we can get into. Yeah. Boy, but I think it's, is pretty it's clear in several scenes. <laughs> Uh, written by Steven Spielberg, made while he was making something else. E.T., I guess. E.T.? Yeah, it was E.T. Yeah. 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 So, uh, this movie, I mean, Gasman, is this a is this a childhood favorite of yours? I mean, we talked about Karate I Kid mean, before. I mean, this kind of falls into the same kind of sort of 80s classic zone. I'd say. Yes, absolute classic. For me in my childhood, I probably watched it ten times. Um, it's terrifying. The clown at the end is terrifying. Uh, it formed the basis for a lot of fears of clowns, I'm sure, for yep. kids out there in the 80s. Sometimes I, th- I think to myself, why are people so afraid of clowns? And it's Poltergeist and maybe it's It. So mm-hmm. Stephen King and Steven Spielberg had a lot to do with it. And it's interesting you bring up the authorship because... E.T. was an iconic movie of my childhood, as it was of most people's childhoods. And Spielberg basically had in his contract that he couldn't make two at the same time. So I feel like he was making E.T. and then he made this one to be kind of like the R-rated E.T. But we'll get more into that. This is a classic. I'd never seen the 2015 remake. Christopher? (laughs) Yeah, I actually didn't watch Poltergeist when I was a kid. I didn't really... Besides Back to the Future, I, I, I didn't really have all those Amblin movies uh, at my, uh, my my disposal. You know, E.T., uh, The Goonies, which I still have never seen The Goonies all the way through. Um, oh, my God. I know. I do own several blue. It'll be re- It'll be remade soon enough, and we can do it on the show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. So I, I saw Poltergeist for the first time when I was like, I don't know, 25, 26 years old, and I really liked it. So watching it again this time, it's definitely um, the feeling I get from it is a Spielberg feeling. So it's hard not to question, you know, to- to- big Toby Hooper's, uh, you know, directorial authorship on it. But um I do really like it. I think Mary Beth Williams, that's the, the, the mother's name, she has, um, she's the core of the movie, and I think she's the most engaging and interesting character, and uh, all of that is definitely gone in the remake, which is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Just real quick, do you, think, do you think at this point, having not seen Goonies, you, you're just going to hold out for like the remake Deja Vu's episode? Because they will remake it probably, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Because the Goonies is definitely uh, a movie that if you weren't a kid having seen it, it's like too late for you. So unless we're going to do it for this show, <laughs> you know, what, what's the point? It's just, you know, it's, it's not going to be uh, 
as moving to me as if I was, you know, eight years old watching it the first time. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I mean, I saw Poltergeist as a kid once, and I was so afraid of the clown, I didn't watch it again for a really long time. It was too scary. And the scene with the guy tearing his face off, um, which is a little intense even now. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, um, watching it this time. I had never seen the remake, and it is not good. Though, we were talking about uh, when you mentioned Twin Peaks, while I was watching the remake, I was actually thinking of Twin Peaks a lot with all the electricity, <laughs> like the, the the spirits and being tied to electricity. It's yeah. Like, was David Lynch watching the Poltergeist remake? He, he might have like? been because that um, that actor I, f- I forget her name, um, but she plays the main scientist in the remake. She plays a coroner yeah. in season three of Twin Peaks. So, yes, maybe he was. He's a big fan. <laughs> Jane Adams. Yeah. Jane I, Adams. Yes. I thought with all the electricity stuff, I thought maybe with the remake, they'd go into Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. Um, well, you know, we can get, get into it. it. You you yeah. judge this movie as not good, but I feel like it's it's a little bit better and easier to swallow than certainly other remakes we've seen like. Friday the 13th or the remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I thought this one was at least a little bit more like I could follow it, but that may be because I love the original so much. Yeah, I'd actually um, I'd actually seen the remake in theaters when it came out. <laughs> what? It's like, why? It was Packed during, House. It was during a golden <laughs> period in, in film fandom, in, in film movie nerddom. A little thing called Movie Pass was out. And that oh. means you could go and watch anything at any time. And so I was like, fuck it. I'll watch the Poltergeist remake. I got nothing going on here. <laughs> so I think I think my, my dislike of the movie comes from the fact that I've seen it twice. And it is, to me, it represents uh, a classic remake mistake where they constantly explain things in it that don't mm-hmm. need to be explained. Like... They explain how they get the house for no reason. They explain why the youngest son, or yeah, the only son, is afraid. They explain where the catchphrase comes from. <laughs> the house is oh clear. God, the it's worst. just constantly like it, it. It has this thing where it wants to hit hard all the references from the original, but in a way that's like, yeah, man, I, I've seen it. Like, wh- why are you lingering on a shot of? Hooper High bumper sticker. I get it. Toby Hooper made the first one. Like, or I'm just he? kind of baffled by that. Yeah, dude. It's like all those things and more that so many of these remakes fall victim to. And definitely this one. I feel like the original Poltergeist has really cool in points and out points. Uh, we could talk about them more, but when the movie starts, it's the national anthem and it's like nighttime and you're not really sure whose house you're in. And when the movie ends, it kind of ends, you know, abruptly on a TV gag. But the point being in the remake, uh, like you said, there's so much like pretext. It opens with them buying the house, which you don't really need. And I think takes away from the coolness of the original. And also at the end of the Poltergeist remake, we talk a lot about music cues for credits on this show. Like, (laughs) oh, my Red Dragon and the Bad News Bears remake. This was one of the worst because they have oh, yeah. a little coda, as you might say, like a last 30-second scene. 
and it ends with uh, I don't even know. It ends with some indie rock, and they they drive away in their car. It looks like a car commercial, right? Yeah. And so me and you know my Megan actually, she asked her phone what song it was, and the it's called TV Set by Spoon. Oh my God. Anyway, okay. point B makes it even worse. Point, um, yeah, it's way too on the nose. The song itself is just not great. And uh, for, yeah, those reasons and more, Christopher, and uh, I agree with you. Yeah, I think your, your point of like how you enter into the original and how it exits is a very good point because the, the original just starts. It's a family in a house and these odd things are happening. And like, that's as much as you need. You don't need an explanation as to where the scary clown doll came from. In the remake, they find it. Like, I don't know. You don't need all that. Like, why do we need? Well, I think, <laughs> go ahead. I go think ahead. it also makes it a lot scarier that presumably they've lived in that house for a long time and nothing has gone wrong, or at right. least like a little while. Uh, <laughs> so it's like a safe space. Whereas, like, you sh- they show them in the remake moving into this new house, and it's like they already, the kids at least, already don't like the house, like even without the ghosts. Yeah. So you're and, already like set up to like have this, you know, the, the kids are like uneasy about the house, but in the, in the, in the original, it's just like, I mean, the, the, you know, it's a safe spot for the family, and then it goes horribly wrong. You know, something I really I love one of the aspects of the original I love is the house. It's so weird. It's so prototypical 80s. I love the staircase that comes down the middle. That's kind of the first shot of the movie. And um, I think that's part of what makes it classic. Also, I have to say the original Poltergeist. Let me clear my throat. Uh, It is so classic because it has three. Of the best lines, not just one or two, three of the best lines, I think, of any movie. I really, I really think that. There's, there's, uh, the, there's Carol Ann saying, they're here, <laughs> they're here, you know? And then there's the, uh, yeah. the poltergeist lady saying, y'all mind, can y'all hang back? You're jamming my frequencies. But the third one I want to say, and she's the best character, okay? She's like top five of my favorite characters ever, that lady. She's great. And I just real quick also want to say, also a classic line is when Craig T. Nelson grabs his boss and he's like freaking out. Like, you sick son of a bitch! You moved the graves, but you kept the pies! That is one of my favorite parts of the whole movie is when, like, see, okay, this is what I want to talk about in terms of like the authorship question. Because that stuff is what reminds me of Toby Hooper. Like, all the screaming. Just the constant screaming. Yeah. And just, like, the the high pitch everything is at. Like, especially in the last, like, 20 minutes. Everybody's just screaming and yelling. The music's really loud. It's, like, really in your face. That is where I think the Toby Hooper aspect comes in. Right, and I think you you mentioned the the scene where Warren of the scientist like rips his own face off, <laughs> in, yeah. in the bathroom, which is like pretty pretty far out for a, for a PG movie. It's it's pretty grotesque, and that definitely has you know the stink of Hooper on it in a good way. Yeah, I mean, I think like the all the stuff like when the 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 caskets are flying out of the ground and <laughs> yeah. so, like that feels very. Like Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. For uh, sure. The movies he would do with Canon. 
but uh but like the beginning where the kids are um um like they make that guy like spill his beer and stuff like that was like so spielberg right off the jump that i was like oh man he really did direct this movie but i think toby was he was there at least he I mean, it's probably it, just a mixture of them both doing it. Like, I don't think yeah. there's a clear line of like, oh, yeah, he was doing it and he didn't No, he wasn't. I, I, I think that they were just, you know, collaborating, really. really. I mean, because a lot of the stuff that's very Spielberg is very Spielberg, you know? It, it doesn't feel out of place necessarily. Yeah. And part of no, it No, yeah, I mean, Spielberg, it's probably the kind of... It, it's probably the kind of thing where, um, you know, it was Toby Hooper's first studio movie, and it's like you're getting notes from Spielberg. You kind of have to take them. And it's a screenplay he wrote, too. Yeah. And it's anyway, also, sorry to interrupt you, Gas Man. It definitely also... No, you didn't. You know, like, film is such a collaborative medium. There's, like, hundreds of people working on a film. The idea that, like, one yeah. person is the sole author of it is... I don't know. It's kind of ridiculous, as, you know, especially when you have two strong voices like, you know, Spielberg and Hooper on a film. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree. But it, it's just an interesting case where, you know, you have two opposing, seemingly opposing <laughs> voices and it does come out fairly cohesive. And, you know, you don't it's only like after like thinking about it afterwards that you really sort of think about the, um, you know, how those two voices combined into making it. Yeah, from what I read, Spielberg wanted to call the movie Dark Skies. And it wasn't until Tobe Hooper came along with the story of Poltergeist that it became what Poltergeist was. Uh, certainly Spielberg uses the California suburbs in such an idyllic way. Like you mentioned when they, when they show it in the beginning, just like in E.T., it just made me want to live in Valencia, California, or whatever those suburbs were. It just, I don't know what it is about that, man. And it's just like so appealing to me. And even their weird, ugly house, uh, the aesthetic of that 80s suburban California is so weird. But you brought up Tobe Hooper, also, you know, one of his calling points. You brought up graves popping out of the ground. And what's so scary to me about the original is not just the clown scenes, but also the scenes at the end in the pool. And I read the part of oh, the yeah. famous poltergeist curse uh, around the original is that they used real human skeletons at the end of the movie. I don't know if that's true, obviously, but it's pretty, pretty chill. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys hear that? Uh, yeah, I've heard that before. They yeah. talk about it in that in the um, that series, Curse Films, that's uh, that came out recently. Uh, they did a whole episode on Poltergeist and the Poltergeist Curse. Um, I believe they debunked that rumor, if I'm remembering. Oh, brutal! I, I mean, <laughs> a couple of real life tragedies happened, obviously surrounding the cast and stuff. But the other curse things might have been debunked too. Like I read that the director of the 2015 remake was like. Yo, the apartment that I rented was haunted. <laughs> it's like, oh my yeah, God, okay, dude, please. was your vape pen haunted as well? <laughs> like, yeah, anyways. I think another part of that was the thing about the remake, I just want to say real quick. One of the ways it kind of failed too, although, again, I didn't think it was that bad. I'm not going to totally 
trash it like I have other movies. But one of the things about the remake is it appears like all horror movies to be marketed towards kids. You know, in 2020, it's such a different time. Um, the marketing is completely different. And this movie in the 80s was geared towards like R-rated adult theater goers. I feel as though it's more geared towards older people. Whereas now you're kind of gearing any horror movie towards like, you know, 16 or 21 year olds. And um, it just shows in a lot of ways, you know, in the original movie also, they didn't need to go to the other side. And in the remake they did. And just like so many horror movies, it looked kind of like a video game, a little bit like resident evil. And I feel like that's kind of for the kids. Also, I don't know. The 2020 horror movie in general is just nothing like the original Poltergeist. I really, really did not like when they went to the other side. and It's one of the stupidest <laughs> scenes around. It's bad, and it's also like they set it up with Jared Harris being like, when you go in there, you know, up is not up, down is not down. But then you go in, and it's just the house. It's just like a. That's exactly what. I, that's exactly like. what I was talking. I, I said the exact same thing, almost word for word, to <laughs> while we were watching. Like, uh oh, man! It's so true because it's so like, yeah. He's like, we got to put the rope in because you don't know where you're gonna be when you're in there. And he's just, and then they go in, and it's like he's just walking down the steps of the house that was always there. <laughs> Dude, I don't know how I would have felt if they had tried to recreate the um lady from the original what's her name in the original shoot why can't i remember Uh, tangina Tangina. yes if they had tried to recreate tangina that would have been one thing and it probably would have made me feel a certain way however what they did do was with this you know white european guy he had a reality show and then he shows up and he's like this cowboy ghost hunter i yeah i wasn't a fan see i okay so to me, the 2015 uh, Poltergeist is just a series of missed opportunities because I feel like there's so many ways they could, they like, tr- it seems like they're going to go for something like different and then they don't do it. Like with that guy, because they set him up early that he has a TV show. Yeah. I thought it was going to be, I thought they were going to go to a place where he was like a fright, it was going to be like a fright night sort of deal where he's like a fraud and he's put in this like situation and he doesn't know how to deal with it when it's real. That would have been interesting, but yeah, you're thinking instead it's just like he's just he's just like the man, and Jane Adams wants to fuck him, <laughs> which also goes nowhere fast like that. Yeah, that in the original, the the UC Santa Cruz or whatever uh, that team of ghost hunters they leave. There's no real overlap, I don't think. Is there in the original? No. And in this one, not only does Jane Adams stick around, but it turns out she used to be married to the poltergeist guy who comes in to clear the house. And as if that wasn't enough, needless backstory, during the ending credits, there is an extra scene with the two of them that just didn't make any sense. I don't know if you guys saw that. Yeah, I saw it. I it's bad. Wait, there's a, like a stinger scene with the two yeah, of them? It's yeah, it's like Jane Addams uh, is now the co-star of his TV show. Um and so there's a joke where she flubs a line and she's like, oh, I didn't know what I was supposed to say. But it's really weird because at the end of the remake, he goes into the other side and presumably dies. But five minutes later during the credits, he's like back doing his stupid TV show. Thank you. That's all. I also didn't understand why he didn't have his TV crew. Like, why weren't they like, 
I didn't really understand why they weren't filming this whole thing for his show. He does have that line where he's like, I'm I want to do it for real this time. No TV. You know, it's almost yeah, but it's not really set up, but (laughs) he's doing it. He's you know, he's being authentic now. He's not doing the the glitz and glamour (laughs) version of this anymore. Listen, I was going to be I was going to be positive this episode (laughs) because I love the original Poltergeist and the remake is fine. But since we are going negative, Sam Rockwell has a very insane vomit scene and i didn't like that why does every single movie and certainly every horror movie have to have a vomit scene i really dislike it that's my memo to hollywood right there it is a pretty disgusting vomit scene yeah that's all i was definitely i just had to get that out i was definitely thinking of you gas man (laughs) during that scene dude literally every movie uh, has a regurgitation scene, um, and I just want to point that out. And just <laughs> thank you for thinking of me. There's um, yes. there's a vomit scene in Poltergeist Two where he like vomits up this giant. Oh bomb. yeah. <laughs> there's actually a yeah. few little things in the second Poltergeist movie that they put into this remake. Like, and the in, in number two, Caroline gets lost at a mall, which is the backstory they give in the remake for the son. And that's why he's so scared all the time, <laughs> which is like, yeah. do you really have to give a reason why children are scared of thunderstorms? Like, it's already scary. We don't need an explanation <laughs> for it. Uh, Craig T. Nelson drinks a lot in the second movie, comically, I, I'd say, which is something they do to Sam Rockwell in, uh, in the remake. And as well as there's a giant vomit scene in the second movie, too. So they kind of, you know, they kind of <laughs> sprinkle it in there for... For that movie, <laughs> nice. yeah, I that was check another, out P two. It's it is. I would say it's worth watching, at least at the very least for that old man. Um, yeah, for but sure. He, but um, I was uh, gonna watch yeah, it but, this weekend with the other two, but I, I I'm gonna save it for a different time. It's like too much chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I know what you're talking about. The um the the drinking thing the Sam Rockwell drinking thing that you mentioned that was another like area I thought was gonna like be something that was different or explored more but it's just like he's just drinking in scenes and it's not like he's yeah. they don't show him to be like an alcoholic really or they don't really go anywhere with the idea he's just drinking yeah and th- there's also the scene where he decides to buy the family all these like gifts on credit. Yes. Pizza, what was that about? Phones. It made no sense to me. It, sh- it would make more sense if they did more with it instead of just being yes. one scene <laughs> plucked out of it. Um, so there's a lot with that Sam Rockwell character where it like goes nowhere. Like one of the most unbelievable things in this remake is that um, when they buy the house, no one has a job. Like he 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 specifically <laughs> yeah. states he's been laid off from John Deere, and they somehow yeah. still sell him that house. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm what? like, you weren't laid off from John Deere, bro. You run the housing complex. You sell all the houses, <laughs> bro. You're Greg D. Nelson. Yeah. It's also just right. like, why not? Why not have him have a job at the beginning? You know, they buy the house. You have your shitty backstory, and then after they he loses the job. And that way, when he's buying all these expensive things, it, like, continues this, like, desperate need to stay middle class even though you're drowning. Like, 
All you gotta do is kind of yeah. shuffle it around, and it would make more sense. That is the kind of thing that I was expecting it to explore <laughs> based on the first like five minutes of the movie because right. of, you know 2015, you know in real life we're in the height of the recession, it's still going on. I thought it was gonna like go into that more, and then it just drops it completely <laughs> to to just do a beat for beat remake of Poltergeist, which I don't know, it's just not that great of an idea. Yeah, when he when he stops drinking, it's when he. Um hallucinates uh, his face melting off in the sink. And so then he dumps the liquor into the sink. And it's like, and that's the end of that chapter. <laughs> See, is that, to go back to the Amityville Horror remake, that is actually something that they really do t- uh, go into in that, is that they make Ryan Reynolds' character an alcoholic. Like, explicitly an alcoholic. And they make you question whether all this is, like, going on in, like, the deluded mind of an alcoholic or if it's really happening. Which is where I thought it was going to go. But it's just like, oh, he's... And then the to go back to that... Wait, the answer, real quick, the answer is it's all happening in the deluded mind of an alcoholic studio executive. (laughs) Yeah, so, all both of these movies are. (laughs) But but to go back to that part uh, you brought up where he brings them gifts... Carol Ann really gets a raw deal here. Like, the older daughter gets a phone, the son gets a drone, and she gets, like, a, a shitty pizza. I just want to say real quick, another thing I like disliked about the remake is that they changed Carol Ann's name to Madison. Yeah. <laughs> and really it's just like, like, Madison in 2015 is such a trendy name, and you called her Carol Ann, and that's the, great, that's the better name, I, I feel like. Just for some reason, that name shouldn't have been changed. And uh, they definitely know that because in the sequels, they exponentially say her name more and more. In the third movie, they may say it like 150 times. It's like every other line (laughs) in the movie is Carol Ann. (laughs) I mean, I guess in the 2015, you can't name her Carol Ann because like no one, like you'd just be taken out of the movie. But like, that's the thing too. When I was watching the remake, I'm like, this should have been one of those throwback remakes where Sam Rockwell and all the actors are like acting like it's the eighties. Like that might've been kind of cool. Like keep the name Carol Ann, keep the funky eighties architecture. Um, You know, anyways, they should have kept Tangia. Like, is that her name? I mean, she's (laughs) the greatest character. She's like, just my favorite. Tangia is Awesome. She's really good. Like that, I love the part where she's like, "Yeah, you go, like you go ahead." <laughs> that part is awesome. That's exactly what. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just gonna bring up when you were talking about your favorite lines from the from the movie. That is my favorite line when she's like, "You, I gotta go." And she's like, "You don't know what you're doing." And she's like, "Well, you never did it either." And she's like, "I guess that's a pretty good point." <laughs> pretty solid. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you can't like replicate that uh, performance. So I think it was a smart idea to not try, but I mean they they really half-assed it with Jared Harris, like big time, because they really just went. like they just changed it, and then that's like the end of them exploring it. <laughs> well, we right. made it different, and now we're done. Like, like again to talk about to uh, compare this to another remake. I mean, the Fright Night remake, I think, does that thing really well, where you can't really like remake. Um, the, the TV horror house that Roddy McDowell plays in the original. So they make him in the remake. It's a similar thing, but he's like a Chris Angel type guy. And I think that is like, Ooh. that's like the kind of way to do it. Um, 
where this just is like, well, he's basically the same character, but he has a TV show and he's British or Irish or whatever he is. Uh, yeah, I think he's actually Wales, Scottish. bro. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yes, that was yeah, Richard it, Harris. That's pretty neat. Oh, his dad is Richard Harris? I yeah. Know. I mean, I guess they do look somewhat similar. I was getting some real... Waiting for him to sing MacArthur Park at any moment. <laughs> now that would have been good. Yeah. Um, I like, yeah, um, whole... I don't think there was enough in the remake, too. Sorry, real quick. So much of the original is them staring up off camera, shouting to Carol Ann, yeah. <laughs> trying to get her attention. I think it's a cool part of the original that wasn't really done in the next one. And more so when they were talking to her in the remake, they were like, Madison, and I, I don't know why that annoyed me. I, I was just like, no, it's Carol Ann. Your daughter's name is Carol Ann. I agree. It's very lame that they call her Madison. <laughs> it definitely sticks out. And I think just the whole, like, like the part where the older daughter is, uh, she's babysitting and her phone starts screwing up. It's like, phones don't get, like, like yeah. that's not how phones work. Like, everybody watching this. Has to like even in 2015 they had to be like this is this no. is crazy. <laughs> and at one point her her um, the oldest daughter in the remake's whole leg gets swallowed by this weird sinkhole in the garage, and she never really like speaks up about it or tells anyone. Uh, <laughs> she didn't really like tell anyone yeah. about her phone either. And um, there's an actor in the remake. Uh, I can't remember his name, but he's great on Succession. He plays cousin Greg, and at one point. His face almost gets drilled in by the poltergeist. Like his head experiences almost a drilling, and he literally never tells anyone. He's just like mums the word. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was. Odd. I agree. I mean, com- comparing that scene to the scene in the original where the guy's face melts off, which I don't think he, I don't think he tells anybody about it either. But, uh, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's actually true. But it is. It's a, just a way better scene. It also just. I don't know. Just doesn't make as much sense the whole drill thing like yeah that that struck me as like something out of a giallo film you know yeah <laughs> like the way it's Definitely. shot and everything like a like you know the pg-13 american version of that <laughs> yeah it was wow it was odd. And giallo i love it i love <laughs> it to go back to go back to that scene where they go to the other side this was another thing that really bugged me other than I mean, obviously that whole part we talked about where he says up is up is down, whatever. But then it's just so unbelievable that like, okay, a Bluetooth controller barely works like through walls in the real world. Like you're telling me that this thing could, he was flying it in another dimension and it was just working perfectly fine. I just, uh, it was, it was driving me nuts. And why did Sam Rockwell have to buy his son the drone? Like, why couldn't they just have already owned a drone? It's like, uh... Sam Rockwell, I just feel in general, was very badly miscast in this role. Yeah, and just he kind of phones it in. <laughs> he doesn't really do a whole lot. Doesn't seem excited to be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you brought it up at the uh, closer to the beginning, but, I mean, just comparing... I mean, the central characters in the original are the parents, particularly yeah. the mother. And it's so well played. I mean, Craig T. Nelson, he's kind of annoying, but he's good in the first one, especially when he's screaming. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that thing. Wait, can I just say real quick, when he explodes at the end on his boss, like, 
That looks like the tenth take, and they kind of built to it. Like that was not. We did Manchurian Candidate and Ocean's Eleven. We laugh about how Sinatra famously <laughs> refused to do more than one take, and it's very apparent in his bad acting. If you watch Craig T. Nelson when he screams at his boss, and he's like, "You moved the graves, but you kept the bodies." It's like the end of a long day of shooting, and like yeah. the fiftieth take, and they like really got it out of him. I just love that part. I love it too. And there's nothing like that. There's no like there's no passion at all. Even like even from the mother in the remake. Like oh, in the man. in the original when uh when the mother is talking to Carol Ann or the scene where they 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 go into the other side and they get her like Jobeth Williams is really giving it her all and uh you really feel like a lot of like motherly anguish and pain in her that you just you wouldn't like Oh, a movie like this doesn't need something like that, but it just gives it another, an extra dimension. But in the remake, it's just like, I don't know, everybody's like sleeping through this movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love her performance in that original. She is, to me, she's the core of the movie. Like, when she is calling up to Carol Ann and, and praying for her, I mean, it's oh. so emotionally engaging. Like, you, you are totally swept up in what is happening, even even that it's, you know, a haunted house movie. You know, it can be very silly, but her taking it so seriously definitely brings me into it. And she is basically, I don't know, she's kind of the main character of that first movie, whereas in the remake, they give the character arc to the boy, the middle child, because he's yeah. scared at the beginning and he has to, like, prove himself... <laughs> And show that he's not scared. They give him a whole lot to do in the remake that yeah. is like, I don't know. It's it's definitely less engaging. It's not as good. And it's also like when you're dealing with the life of a child, there's something very primal about having the mother be the savior, right? Whereas if it's just like, you know, an older brother, <laughs> it doesn't quite have the same like uh i don't know lizard brain stem response you know yeah and he's just not i mean the arc of like i was scared but now i'm not scared <laughs> it's just not it's not that good it's like it's not as relatable as just like a mother who is like it it overcomplicates it almost like in the original the arc is just mother misses her child and will do anything to get her back which i think anybody could uh, relate to and accept and in the remake it's just like he's scared because he got lost in a mall he's got to get over it and his parents yeah, won't take him to a psychologist <laughs> yeah what? dude it is so laughable like they move into this creepy house in the 2015 one and they stick the kid in the attic where he already says he's uncomfortable sleeping and then the mom's like good night later closes the door <laughs> doesn't even leave him the nightlight doesn't even have the courtesy the parents yeah. just don't care. It's completely laughable that they would let that they would make their uh, kids sleep in a new uncomfortable attic. I mean, it's it's also laughable in the original that there's so much haunting going on and they don't consider getting the hotel earlier. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Leave your house. <laughs> <laughs> so and like in the in the remake, they have a clearing and they think they're out of the woods, and then a day passes. Uh, and in the yes. remake, uh, there's really no day that passes. It all kind of happens uh, in the same evening, which is very different. But again, in the remake, you're kind of like, shouldn't these people like move out? Um, 
<laughs> and they have a whole opportunity to do so as that day passes, but they're kind of like, things are back to normal. And then the last 20 minutes of the movie are like, you know, terrifying. Yeah, because the original that. has the kind of the like a fake out, right? You think it's over yeah. and then it goes back to normal and then it's not over. Whereas the remake is like this extended climax that isn't good. <laughs> yeah, the whole the whole car bit, it was so lame and like how the car is like flipping over in the remake. <laughs> That's uh, right. during that fake out part, very lame. And like so okay, so you guys said there was a a stinger with the guy jared harris because i thought because they never like resolve him he's just like he i thought he sacrificed himself yeah that's the thing the stinger made even less sense because it was trying to be humorous and he sacrifices himself five minutes before he just like leaves for the other side so why do you need like a sketch with him and now jane (laughs) adams his ex-wife helping him host a tv show oh my god two things important that i want to say about the original as well Real quick, I think it's made more scary. I just want to say this in passing. By all the cursed stuff that went on, the terrible things that happened to the cast. I think the eldest daughter is really great in the last scene when she has to jump in the car. Excellent. I really love the Golden Retriever. Their dog in the original is so good. I mean, They bring him back in part two. (laughs) Oh, I got to check it out again. I'm saving it for Christmas Day. Uh... (laughs) There's that really funny scene where the dog looks back and then he gets in the cab with the son. Also, uh, last real quick, in the original, the lighting is really good. And I'm not saying that in some weird cinematography way or anything I don't know anything about. I just think that the flickering of the lights, all the bright lights, all the TV flickering stuff, I think that's kind of mesmerizing and probably was more mesmerizing to people in you know, 1982. Sorry, I can't talk. I'm, I'm really I agree. taken by they this don't, movie. I agree, because they try to replicate that sort of flickering look in the remake, and it just looks bad. It's just a bunch of blue lights everywhere. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I thought... Uh, the, the one thing I, I did want to bring up, to tie it back into... I believe we've talked about this before, I think all the way back in the Bad News Bears episode, but comparing the child actors... In both yeah. these versions. The original movie, especially I think the son, is feels like a very like realistic kid. And that's, you know, something those Amblin movies are very well known for. Um, I mean E.T. of you know the same year. But uh but in the in the in the remake they just feel like the like pretty fine child actors, but they're definitely child actors. They don't feel like actual kids i agree i feel like yeah a big part of it i feel like is now in movies everything every actor screams central casting whereas spielberg famously said he discovered the actress who played carol ann in like the food court at the studio or like maybe a local mall uh same with the boy in the original he looks like an actual kid i knew in the early 80s whereas (laughs) You know, the new child actors are all from central casting. I, you know, they don't seem relatable at all. Even the older daughter is much more realistic looking in the original than in the, in the remake. In the remake yeah, and I read that like Drew Barrymore, he almost gave the Carol Ann role to Drew Barrymore. Um, and, you know, it would have been a worse movie in the same sense that it wouldn't have been a regular kid in the movie. Right. It would have been Drew Barrymore. 
Yeah, like the um, like Carolans like cries for help from the other side in the original. They feel like a, a like a real kid who is lost somewhere. Um, and in the in the remake, it just feels like I don't know. It's a kid reading lines. Right, I was going to say, they all feel like they've been trained to read lines, and it's just, it's awful. Like, the way they characterize the daughter in the remake as, like, this super obnoxious teenager is, I mean, A, it's just real easy, right? Like, oh, she's a teenager. She yells and doesn't like her parents, but it doesn't feel, (laughs) she doesn't feel like a real human being. She just feels like someone who yells about not getting a new cell phone. And that's true of all of them like the the little boy who is scared is just like constantly acting the capital a oh yeah <laughs> i mean the the older daughter in the original i feel like she is she does she gives a fine performance but i think the character just like she doesn't really get to do very much other than like scream a lot at stuff which is fine <laughs> she's she does a good especially at the end but she's she's like off at a friend's house for most of the movie, so she's really not a part of it. And that is another thing I thought the remake could actually bring to the table is I thought they were gonna make her more of a character and they really don't. She just gets to do all the same screaming, but she's just there all the time and doing nothing in the background. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One more comparison I will make is again, the original is partly so iconic because it's not till the end when the clown attacks. And I read actually another thing about how this movie was cursed, allegedly, was that the child who played the boy in the original seriously almost got choked out by the clown and Steven Spielberg had to save his life. But what I wanted to say, whether that's true or not, when you look at like kind of like the key art for the 2015 one, all on the poster and stuff is the clown. Whereas in the original, the clown kind of sneaks up on you at the end, although it became an iconic sort of scene. Yep. You know, it's funny that they use the clown in the remake. And then when I watched the remake, I did think for a second, huh, that clown is very scary. It's got a nose that sort of creeps around. And they used a bunch of other clown dolls. So I can see why they put that as the art. However, uh, upon initial viewing of that like me and my megan was like why is the clown the thing because it's just like we were dubious as to why that's just like remember poltergeist remember that clown that scared you so bad like that's all it is because that's all this that's all the movie really is it doesn't add anything new it just offers like slight changes to a bunch of scenes that you remember from the original movie and that clown that new clown is it's it's like the child actors like it's such yeah. a scary clown like with a capital s capital c that um but the original feels like an actual like a doll that would be in a child's room like an old timey yeah. doll and it's also like you know what's scarier than one clown doll like 50 of them <laughs> yeah. well that's that's the other weird thing it's like because they find a box of clowns and the, the explanation, do. and I love, and I love Rockwell's explanation. Like I actually did laugh at it when he was just like, I don't know, people collect weird stuff. <laughs> That's all we got. I thought there was going to be again, like some explanation, like maybe there would be 
something about the people who owned the house before that would be explained or something. But yeah, that would like no, make just, sense and like have a through line and <laughs> all right. <of> that. <laughs> it just but seems what, like it's it all it keeps like going for these things. And then oh, one thing I actually okay, what is the deal with the party that they go to in the remake? I did not like get because they like just moved so, to that town. Real quick, I think that one of Again, one of the best scenes of the original is when the boss, they go to the graveyard and the boss is like, yeah, we built all these houses on graves. In the remake, they're like, we're going to a dinner party. And that's when he learns that the houses are on a graveyard. But other than that, it really has nothing to do with anything. Like he's supposed to be there networking for a job, but it's literally like a 20 second scene where they're like, you didn't know your house is built on a graveyard? Well, yeah. And also the that comes way earlier in the remake comes in like the first like 20 minutes yeah and in the in the in the original it's like a good hour into the movie before he has that scene there's also in that in the scene in the remake they there's the woman who says to them oh yeah but now the graveyard's in a nicer neighborhood oh sorry because she you know put her foot in her mouth which is something once again that like continues this idea of them trying to remain middle class that that theme right. it's like not in it's in the movie but it's not really in the movie it's been like cut to pieces and like reshuffled so it's well, like i did maybe I maybe did it's read. like a, a remnant of like an older draft of the screenplay where maybe that that theme that idea was more thoroughly laid out and then someone came in and did like you know a pass and then got kind of you know watered down i totally agree and that's kind of what I was feeling as well, that maybe it just was cut out, because then I did read that uh, there's a 15-minute longer cut that has never been released. Ah. <laughs> oh, yep, yep. So it's, it's like the, it's like the, uh, you know, the Heaven's Gate director's cut when they'll release it. Uh, Wait, is we'll that of the, you're talking about <laughs> they have Emily all will dance in the streets. Yeah, That's exactly. A, a longer cut of the remake, correct? Right, yeah. I looked up the director of the remake, and in addition to saying that his house during production was haunted, which I think it may have just been his purple kush that was haunted, uh, he's a part of the remake for Ghostbusters. So we have that to look forward to. Oh, yeah, he wrote Booyah! I think actually, I think it's more of a requel to <laughs> Ghostbusters. Well, maybe he'll use... Um... You know, maybe he'll uh, use some of his rejected ideas from Poltergeist remake. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah will the, more will on the Ghostbusters remake be about deregulation still? <laughs> yeah, we need, we need more deregulation. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it just is such a, a missed opportunity at every turn to do this. All that stuff with the electricity, like they set that up. So, I don't know, it's kind of like... I thought it was going to go somewhere kind of cool and that they wouldn't do the, oh, it's just on a burial ground and that's what's happening. <laughs> I thought it was nope. going to be like yeah. a, a 5G conspiracy type of deal. Now that would have been yeah. good. <laughs> They're like the last owners died of Bluetooth poisoning. <laughs> because in, in, I mean, in the original yeah, how movie, do you remake it? In the original movie, there's this undercurrent of like 80s corporate America, right? Because... yeah. Craig T. Nelson is reading a book about President Reagan at the beginning. <laughs> he works... Reagan, the man and the president. <laughs> he works for this company who is so big it built its own town for its employees. 
And it's also very cutthroat. It doesn't care if it moves the actual bodies. It just moves the tombstone. So it's like it lays the foundation for it and everything else happens around it. But the remake kind of tries to do that, but it just kind of flounders. It like kind of makes too big a deal of it or not big a deal enough. Yeah, it's like we can't make too big of a statement here, so we'll just like <laughs> pussyfoot around everything. Like they they don't have a character like the boss who is in the original who is just like the classic like 80s scumbag boss. Oh, yeah. And he's very well played by that guy from Return of the Living Dead. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's real good in that. I love his so him good. screaming at the end is great too. When it, when like the the light like blasts him in the face, he's just like, "Oh!" It's so good. <laughs> Yeah, it's so good because they're all actors where and like uh, Williams, the lead, the mother, it's just like they're so normal throughout. But then, you know, that they're just able to nail that freak out so well. I just love the ending of the original because it just doesn't take too long. And, you know, I feel like I guess the rap on horror movies a lot of the times is that the third act suffers. And um, I feel like Poltergeist stands out partly because of. You know, I don't know. The ending, it doesn't take too long. Like, the movie ends well. I mean, Hooper is the king of the third act. I mean, Texas <laughs> Chainsaw Massacre, the last 20 wow. minutes. Yeah. Uh, Eaten Alive, this, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. I mean, they all just have endings where everybody is screaming and things are happening and it's really loud and crazy. And, um, yeah, I do love that about, about the original. Of course, the Remake is just like, let's flip a car. (laughs) (laughs) One thing that also struck me, like comparing the two, uh, one more big point of comparison I wrote down was in the original, they they set up that like it's it is a neighborhood with like neighbors and there's like neighborhood kids and there's a whole thing. They have that the funny scene where they're stoned and they go try to talk to the neighbor. But in the remake, there are no neighbors at any time. Like, cars are flipping over in the streets, and nobody is coming outside to check out what's going on. I found it very strange. Like, the kid is dangling from a tree, screaming for his life, and nobody is, like... The, the town's just dead. It's just it's maybe Maybe that's commentary that in the 21st century, we don't know our neighbors, you know? We're not, we don't want to engage with them. <laughs> or maybe Nobody it was wanted that... to be around them because they were unemployed. So now, they were a pariah I'm... on the neighborhood. Maybe everybody was foreclosed on. I don't know. Yeah, they never even mentioned <laughs> the wife's book. Like, in the beginning, they're like, she's an amazing writer. And I'm like, oh, great. She's going to be writing a book about ghosts, but they didn't. That's even what I thought too. Another like <laughs> missed opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. They, do they even mention what her, what she writes at all? Like, nope. I don't think they even talk about it. <laughs> nope. It's like she writes never. something. I don't know. Oh, they never mention yeah. it. It's just like, it really feels like, like the first draft of something or like <laughs> it's either the first draft or like the 50th draft where everything's just been cut. To shreds. <laughs> Very, very disappointing, but I, I did enjoy the rewatch of the first one. You know, even even with all the the shit in the in this remake, it is kind of watchable. Having watched it twice, thank now, you. It does have a sort of it's something about the pace, the rhythm of it that does make it watchable. It's not like. Um, <laughs> 
trying to think of a remake where oh like the karate kid remake where it was just like agony oh, like every second was pain <laughs> the the yeah. poltergeist remake's not like that it's just kind of bland and watered yes. down and really pandering to the people who liked the original for some reason <laughs> um yeah. but yeah i think it is still kind of a watchable movie yes competent. christopher yeah, yes competent. and thank you it's not only better than a lot of the remakes we've watched and a lot of the horror remakes, in my opinion, I think it's somewhat watchable, especially since, like you said, it feels about like it's 80 minutes long. Um, yeah. It's definitely watchable. And, you know, in a lot of the ways that other remakes get like muddled up and weird and try to take chances, which is often just a big fail, like I felt the Friday the 13th remake. But this one, it kind of stuck with the original and also it just didn't get too convoluted. Like, you know, we watched the remake of RoboCop, which is a really bad one, not to be too comparative. But these are movies that just went so far beyond the original. It got like way too complex and it just went off the rails. At least Poltergeist was concise and somewhat watchable. Yeah, I mean, it's short. Uh, it's, you know, you're right. It doesn't take a lot of chances. So it is, and, and you know, it's not like poorly made or anything. It's just, it is very bland. I do wish it took a few more chances because it's <laughs> the chances it does take, I think are terrible. So who knows? I mean, it's, it's also a thing like when they like, go to the other side, it's terrible. So oh, I, man. It's um, also a thing where like the, the, the bare bones story of poltergeist, you know, is extraordinarily simple. So like all the the style and the flavor aspects of the original are what people remember, obviously, and that's what makes it special. So like if you shed all those things away and you just have like a haunted house movie, I don't know, you could put anything on it. You could do anything, but they decide to just pander to the original. Like they, at one point in the movie, uh, they have a character say, Say the line, say the line, so that yes. the big line from the original is said again. And it's like, is this like a, a metatextual commentary on uh, how we view remakes? Because that's how it feels like. I mean, yeah, th- th- that comes right before the scene where she says they're here as well. And she, <laughs> she gets to, because that was another thing, because right before she says they're here, she says like they're coming or yeah they'll be here soon or something. Oh, I, was yeah. like, oh. Oh, no. I was like, oh, it's a little twist up, and then oh well, she just said the line anyway. So, <laughs> dude, Heather that? O'Rourke is absolutely iconic. I mean, those lines, yeah. I just love it yeah. so much. I love Heather O'Rourke. I love well, you. Got to see. Here, you got to watch. They're back. I love it all. You got to watch part two then, Gasman, because she's in it a lot more. And she's also I'm going to save good. it for Christmas Day. I mean, she's like she's 12 years old in Poltergeist 3. She passed away right before P3 was released. She's not she didn't even finish filming it. Yeah, they had to get a stunt double. Yeah, Heather O'Rourke is good in uh, these movies, but she's I also go. good. <laughs> she's also good in a little TV show she did after. And that TV show is called Happy Days. <laughs> Oh, she's on Happy Days. She's on Happy Days in the ill-fated final seasons. Fonzie becomes involved (laughs) with a woman whose daughter is played by Heather (laughs) O'Rourke. 
And that's a post wow. post poltergeist thing. Yes, I, it's either it may have even came out the same year as Poltergeist. It was like back to back at least, and uh, yeah, she's one of the main characters. She has like the spinning record intro and everything. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I'm yeah, glad we I'm could speechless. bring it back to. I'm glad we could bring it back to Happy Days. I know. Me too. And, I was a little worried. Stuff. I'm like, we already hit Pat Morita. How, how are we going to top that? <laughs> I know we've been hit it. Yeah, Happy Days was really hit hard in the Karate Kid episode. Um, but that I think that's a good good place to uh, wrap it up with, with the Poltergeist thing. Unless you guys have anything more to say, I don't. I feel like we talked about a lot and we said it all. But I just got to give one more shout out to Chan- Tangina. I mean, yep. one of the best characters in the history of characters. I just feel like I love the '82 Poltergeist. And in a large part, it's because of Tangina. If you haven't watched 82 Poltergeist in a while, go watch it. There's the pool scene with the skeletons. There's the tree, the clown. There's Heather O'Rourke saying that that's just a quintessential 80s line. They're here. And then, you know, stay in it for Tangina because she's just one of the best characters ever. I give Poltergeist 1982 an A-. I give Poltergeist 2015. uh, I don't know. A C. It's average. Yeah, I really love Tangina's monologue in the... Well, I mean, she's only in the original movie about what the other side is like. She gives it such gravitas and seriousness. Like, it, it... it gives weight to the situation in a way that is not there with Jared Harris in the remake at all. (laughs) So that is just another, I feel like it's, um, it's again, it's that casting. Like, yeah, casting that woman who is so unique looking and sounding, you know, it feels, it gives it more, uh, you know, you believe it more than Jared Harris, who is just like some dumb guy from Wales. (laughs) Yo, and there's also just more than any other movie real quick, the original, the history of it, the quote unquote curse of it, the whole Tobe Hooper versus Steven Spielberg of it, and just the iconic California suburb Spielberg style, like all those things really just add to it uh, in a major way more than other movies we covered. But the remake has none of those. Anyway, Christopher, I'm sorry. Please go on. (laughs) Oh, boy. I just, if I could say one more thing I didn't like in the remake is, and I mentioned it a little earlier. So at the end of the movie, the father took a job at the high school, and the high school is called Hooper High. (laughs) And (laughs) the camera lingers on this bumper sticker that says Hooper High, and it's like... Yeah, man, we know who Hooper is. Like, what? Why? Why is this here? This is terrible. But I, I love how when you get out of the the minivan or whatever car they're driving, everyone has like a a Hooper High Letterman's jacket on. Yes. Oh yes. my god. It's so no stupid. way. Wow. And everyone's so proud about it too. Like, yeah, we did it. We made it. We got the jacket. Oh my god. This and is then what the I didn't real understand. I didn't Go understand ahead. why he's wearing a letterman's jacket for like they don't even live in the town yet. Like, why does he have it? <laughs> he they're still looking for a house and they're like too afraid of any house to move in. They're probably not going to put any money down because they're too scared at this point, but I love that they're driving away in their van and that spoon song plays. <laughs> it's like literally a car commercial. Yeah. Oh, oh boy. Yeah, I would give I would give the original movie an A, definitely. I, I really like I really like it a lot. Um 
which is kind of surprising because I think, you know, we mentioned earlier, like, I've never seen The Goonies and uh, all the way through. And you kind of think that if you don't see it as a child, maybe it doesn't resonate with you. But I think there is so much um, emotion in, in the original movie that as an adult watching it, it does resonate with me. So I'm, I'm happily pleased for that. Um, and the remake, I would give like a D plus, C minus. <laughs> I'm willing like to bet. I'm willing to bet you would be happily pleased if you watched the Goonies. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the thing with the, <laughs> can I watch thing... it from a Blu-ray, a steelbook? <laughs> oh, definitely. It's like no, so you got to watch it at a drive-in theater on 35 millimeter. Just came out on 4K. <laughs> For what? 4K. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, I think I think of the I don't know. I haven't seen the Goonies in a long time. I did like it when I was a kid, but the difference is that the Goonies is like focused on the kids and uh, Poltergeist. Like yep. when you wa- when I watched Poltergeist as a kid, I, uh, you know, was with the little boy because I was just as scared as him. But watching it now, you know, you uh, focus on the parents, and it becomes really a movie about the parents. Um, uh, and I really like that about it. Um, and you know, again, the casting—it's all—it's all great. I also give it an A. I really, really enjoyed uh, rewatching it. Um, but the remake is really boring, uh, <laughs> competently made, but you know, it's like a C minus, D plus sort of deal. Oh boy! And that wraps up another beautiful Deja Views <laughs> episode. Say the line, gas man. Yeah. Oh, hey, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for writing us five-star reviews. Thank you for contacting the show. And thank you for always remembering that if you're watching a horror movie and there is no remake, just wait. And they'll be here. They'll be here. (laughs) Apparently, they're planning another remake already. (laughs) What? No. (laughs) Good night, everybody. Super high. Oh, no.